you may have actually tweeted this out that um, you kind of reveal, you pull back the curtain a little bit on what matters to the enemy. And the reality is they want their symbols ruling over our communities. They're, they're imperialists. They don't necessarily live here. Some of them do, but the real harassment and the intimidation and the threats came from people who don't live around here. And it was important to them that their symbols remain in the faces of my people. Mm-hmm. In, in my face, in my neighbor's face, even though the signs don't even say our community name. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care. That word doesn't just mean we're not a sundown town. That word doesn't just mean, hey, there's no Jim Crow around here, right? Nobody believes in that. This sign means to these people that we're okay with transitioning children. That's what those signs mean. Mm-hmm. We're okay with drag queen story hour for youths. We're okay with predators getting an audience with children. Mm-hmm. That's what that sign means to these people. And they want it in our face. Right. Yeah. And you desecrated their religion, essentially. That's right. That's right. Bingo. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. All right, right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode number 192, and today we're turning to the show for his third appearance, Um, Mr. Brandon Harnish. How you doing, dude? Doing great, Kyle. Nice. Well, I'm uh, very, very happy to have you here. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and I enjoy seeing... uh, the way you uh, talk about stuff on Twitter. And I, um, as we're shooting the shit off the show or before we start recording, um, you are probably one of the people that's responsible for changing my worldview slightly on political stuff. I would say more like you, Tho Bishop, Pete Quinones, and I, I feel like I'm missing a name here, but those are kind of a few of the guys that come off the top of my head. And, um, Listen to Oren McIntyre a lot lately. It's I'm a little bit more observant and try to notice the meta pictures. So I know that's like real meta to start with. But yeah, if you got anything to add, we, we can talk about that. I mean, I, I I'm honored to be uh, included in the same conversation as those as those guys. You know, I'm not a content creator. Content creation's um, definitely a lot of work. I have mm-hmm. focused um, my efforts more on the um, nuts and bolts political sort of machine building and and sort of being a political actor uh, locally. And to some degree at the state level, I've been able to pass some, you know, sort of industry-wide legislation at the state level um, back-to-back years. Now, governor's waiting to sign a bill here um, 
but that, that's sort of industry niche kind of kind of stuff. But at any rate, just plugging into the political system has been kind of more my um, bread and butter. Um, and, and so to, you know, to know that because, the, you know, being in politics, it's not really my role uh, to be a Tho Bishop or a, a Pete Canones, to be an influencer in that way. Yeah. Um, and matter of fact, I, I give credit to the people who can do that because that's, those are two very distinct roles. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's tough to juggle. Mm -hmm. But that, that being said, um, so the, you know, the McIntyre, uh, Tho Bishop, Pete Canones, you know, they're not, they're not all the same. I, I'm not, I'm not the same as them either, but um, feel free to speak in a little bit more detail on maybe some specific changes that I or those guys have um, sort of, how have we influenced your, your political thinking? Well, you, you know, people always uh, joke about the not interviewing the uh, podcast, but yeah, perhaps, right, right. You, you would have, you, you'd have some really good insights on this. And I actually am curious your thoughts. So, um, <clears throat> Well, well, and if I can explain, if before you start, if I can explain to the audience, like, so you've, you've told me that in private before that, you know, I've sort of changed the way you think, but we've never really got into it. And so I kind of prepared, you know, when I was thinking about asking you this question, I thought he's definitely going to bring up like, Hey, you know, who's given the interview here, but <laughs> you want to invite you to maybe talk a little bit more about. That. Yeah. Well, um, when I first started the show and I would say all the way back to like 2014 ish. So I started this show in 2021 in October. And like, I would say around 2014 is when I first heard of like Milo Yiannopoulos and Stefan Molyneux, like my brother introduced me to them and they're what really got me into politics. So obviously I came in from more of a right-wing thing. And then obviously, you know, being in like a very red area, you know, Southwestern Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh, which is mostly rural and then just like small towns. Um, and then obviously working in the automotive business, mostly grew up around Republicans and like still to this day, I pretty much only interact with people who are Republicans, MAGA people, conservatives. Um, that, that's my dad, my mom, my stepdad. <laughs> I mean, everybody I know is pretty much right, you know, right of center. So um, I was always extremely libertarian because my brother was an, a, um, a narco-capitalist. Originally, he was like a real left liberal, and then he turned sharply into a narco-capitalist. And I was pretty much like, okay, well, it has to be the libertarian party, your bust. Like, this is, um, you know, you have to be unwavering in your principles, right? <clears throat> right. Because we're only looking at this through the least violent candidate, or at least the candidate that pledges all the right libertarian things. So, um, when I started talking to guys like you, though, Pete, um, Kenny Cody, um, and like I said, I'm missing some names off the top of my head, and kind of noticing the way that things played, especially over 2020, um, I began to realize that, like, if you're just going to sit here and keep voting the Libertarian Party, it's like an infallible position. And I've laid this out to people before, but essentially you could say that, like, well, you can't blame me because I voted Libertarian. So I didn't vote for either of these two that are going to completely fuck up the country. And if you would have just listened to me, which nobody's going to, you're never going to have this mass voting of people voting Libertarian. If you would have just be, listened to me in paradise, right? Right, right. right. Yeah. So that, no, that's, that's it. Yeah. I, if I can chime in, that's a, that's yeah. a really, I, I sort of learned that in a very, um, in a very tangible way here mm -hmm. locally where <laughs> I joined and I continue to say this, I joined yeah. the Republican party because there was a problem. Mm 
Um, It it was not, you know, I am not out promoting the Republican Party as being perfect. Mm -hmm. It's not. The reason I joined is because there was a problem. Mm -hmm. So the the criticisms libertarians like to make of the Republican Party are generally true. They're valid. Um, But that's a reason for us, libertarian-minded people, paleos, liberty-minded people, whatever, to get involved in the Republican Party. Because, you know, when we as libertarians say, ah, no, 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 they're not. They're not doing the right thing. We're in the Libertarian Party. We can't expect our voices to be heard, right? This is a matter of um, there's a civic arena and you're either in it or you're out of it. And if you're not in it, then your enemies are going to take your space that is rightfully yours in that arena. And um, we may not like it. We, we weren't given, we nobody asks our consent, <laughs> right? We, again, uh, libertarians understand. Nobody asked me, I didn't sign the social contract. No, you didn't, but you're involved anyways, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the nature of force. You're forced into this situation. Are you going to defend yourself? Are you going to participate in the systems and yeah. use the tools that are available to you? Or are you going to, you know, sit there and watch this whole thing wash away and wash over you? And then it might, t- might just take your whole home with you. Mm. So, um, and another thing you mentioned, and I took a note here, I wrote it down, unwavering in principles. Mm-hmm. And I um, I find that what's in libertarian circles, what it means to be unwavering in principles is that in an argument, you take the most extreme position. But what I find has much more value is not the extreme position. It is a strong position or a good position that you take publicly and you don't wave from. Right. So again, if, 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 the, if the dichotomy is not clear here, we can, we can be correct in an argument and we can take the most extreme position. That's fine. But when it comes to on the ground politics, I want somebody to be correct 80% of the time. That's fine. But if they're courageous in that 80%, if they're unwavering, that matters so much more than the 20% where we may have a disagreement. And again, this is not simply saying the, I'm not just saying here that don't make the the good, the enemy of the perfect or the perfect, the enemy of the good, right? We've, yeah. we've all heard this. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is courage matters more than principles. It's the unwavering that matters in that unwavering right. in your principles. It's the unwavering that matters. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the key. I will take courage over ideological purity in this game every time, every time. Right. So, so th- real- that said, I'll, I'll give you the floor again here. I just want to <laughs> no, 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 that, that, That's okay. Because actually there's a point there that you made that I actually really, really liked. And um, one of the people that I want to talk about in particular is Thomas Massey and Rand Paul kind of connects to this point as well. Um, when you came up or when you, you know, brought up the unwavering part there, um, Think about 2020 and think about how much, you know, sack it had to take Thomas Massey and Ron DeSantis even to a degree, but like Thomas Massey to literally stand down every single member of the political class and say, we're going to force this vote against Donald Trump and then getting knocked by the fucking president, who's the leader of his own party to say, we're voting on this and I'm against you on this. You can't begin to understand the balls on that man i mean that that is heroic that may be the the single greatest courageous political Mm -hmm. act that any republican has taken over the last 50 years Mm -hmm. 
I, I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. It's right up there with Pat Buchanan running against George Herbert Walker Bush mm -hmm. in 1992. That takes courage. It really does. 96, you know, you're, you're running. For, when Pat Buchanan ran in 92, he ran against an incumbent Republican president mm -hmm. to make a point that George W. Bush, the party was forgetting the conservatives of the heart. They were, right. they were forgetting our people, the working man. And um, yeah, when you're in this game, you begin to recognize the value of courage in a, in a whole new way. Uh, because you know what? A lot of people have the right ideas behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. it, but it, what I have found is that in our private lives, in our private lives, integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching. Right. But in politics, integrity is doing the right thing when everyone is watching. It's doing it in public. It's doing it when the pressure is on. When there are people who are going to be upset with you, that's when courage matters. That, that's when that's political integrity. And it's mm -hmm. the most valuable asset. Yeah. Is it, it's a diamond. Right. Yeah. And, and like I was saying earlier, it, when you look at Rand Paul being able to say like, this is bullshit. Thomas Massey saying this is bullshit. Ron DeSantis saying we're not going to lock down anymore. And then actually being well read right. on it too. That's right. what's very, very admirable about that. Um, so I guess kind of get back to uh, the point earlier because we'll, we'll be going off on side tangents forever. One thing that also kind of, really stood out to me was like okay so if i'm playing in the libertarian party game what's the likelihood that i'll ever get to do which you you sent me a tweet after i said something about voting in support of matt gates's solution where you literally text your representative and said hey please vote in favor of matt gates solution with like a little american flag emoji and a thumbs up and yeah. you said well admittedly he didn't vote for it but like if I'm in a separate political party, what is the likelihood that, first of all, they're even going to give a fuck what I have to say or that I'm even going to get their number to say anything to them? Because I I called my congressman. I sent my congressman a message after he voted down against Matt Gaetz's solution and said, I don't feel represented because I called you twice and said, hey, please vote in favor of this. Um Clearly, there's the political aspiration in some of the Republicans to vote against this, um, you know, some of the war stuff going on. But like, you know, what's the benefit of being in the Libertarian Party um, when it comes to situations like that? Like, I, I get the argument for the Libertarian Party if you're saying, hey, we're like playing our flag here and saying we're just, this is going to be our cultural vehicle. Um, we could debate that all day long, but I think that's what kind of the general idea is. But once again, they're never going to have that chance to say hey let me text my congressman and tell him you should support this that was something that i was like okay. yeah i mean the, the libertarian party can remain pure specifically because it, it's it is nowhere near power right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just the reality i mean it's, it's a little bit like imagine if uh if samwise were, were criticizing frodo because frodo is like being devoured by this ring mm -hmm. and and samwise like you wussy I could do that fine. What? Why are you so pathetic? Like, mm -hmm. just give me the ring. I'll carry it. It's a nerdy reference, but it is a little bit like that. And I think, okay. I, I think there is a an interesting kind of fraternity, although that might not be the right word. But when you're in the public eye, 
And, you know, just for example, you're in the Republican Party, first of all, and then you're an elected official, you're in the public eye. There is a level of respect that comes with that from other people. Now, granted, this is not a this is not a job that commands respect, but it's the nasty, filthy, dirty nature of the work that other people in this world, other elected officials kind of recognize. Mm. So you do have, you know, at least if I send a senator or a congressman or a state representative a message, say, hey, I'm on county council here. Um, this is my position on this. To some extent, they can at least appreciate the fact that you're in the arena. Mm -hmm. You're in this really violent, and it, like you're you're in a very disgusting world. Violent isn't exactly the right word, but the, the libertarian would recognize, right? The libertarian would say, "Yeah, you you have a monopoly." on the use of violence within a defined geographical area. And so I respond like, yes, I do. I, I've talked about this with my wife. Like I am one of a handful of people who can legally steal in my county. That is a power that is, it's a disgusting, filthy kind of power. And and you kind of have to name name it as that, right? Mm -hmm. Those politics, you know, we wear the suits and the ties, and you know, we we, yeah. we don't want to perceive it that way. And look, there is a function there. Right? Like, and, and maybe I'm getting off into the weeds here, but, but okay. uh, we can come back to that later. But to, yeah. to speak more directly to your um your your point about being able to just be involved in that process, right? Again, I have I have come to look at this. I am one very small part of a very large institution that will that has existed is here before I came along and it will be here after I am gone. Um, and I am trying to engage in this historic process and I'm I'm trying to critique it from within its own tradition. I'm an American, I'm an Republic I'm a Republican. I, I I have embraced Pat Buchanan because he's a Republican who did the right thing. Yeah. I'm not coming, I'm not talking about, you know, Harry Brown, right? I'm, I'm pointing to other Republicans. And although Harry Brown was great, um, but I'm trying to work within this institution and within this American tradition. And when you plug into that, it, it does change your calculation. You do kind of, you begin to see some of the, sh the some of the shortcomings in, maybe libertarianism proper or third party libertarianism and how, you know, it is, I, I struggle to articulate the, the problem with it, but it, it's a little like, um, I mean, imagine you're in a church community, you're in a Christian church community and you come along and say, well, we should just be Trinitarian or we, you know, we're, we're Trinitarian. We should just be Unitarian. Right. Like imagine going to a Catholic church or a Wesleyan church with this long tradition of Trinitarianism and saying we should just be Unitarian. It's, it's a little bit like what the libertarians are doing with a third party approach. Libertarians have a home in the system already. We we can join the Republican Party. Or you can join if you're if you're a left libertarian, social democratic libertarian, you can join the Democrat Party and try to introduce maybe some of your more Hayekian ideas. I have a lot of Hayekian ideas I like, um, but you kind of get my point, right? You can bring the Reason magazine 
libertarianism to the Democrat Party. But yeah. we fight over scraps. We're not in the game. We're not a part of the tradition. We're not a part of the American system. And, you know, and I guess maybe that's the irony of it, right? I mean, the, the agorist, just he's completely fine not being a part of the system. Right. But why would you have a third party in a two-party system? You're either in or you're out. It's, it's like the vegan who's putting fake sausage on their pizza. No, 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 just, just eat. <laughs> Use, I don't know, just eat your bread and pineapple pizza. I, mm -hmm. Why, are, or the vegetarian who wants to put fake meat on the pizza, just eat a cheese pizza. Yeah. Just go all in. So I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going down a, a, I don't know if this is speaking to your concerns, but that, that's kind of my... That's been my message on Twitter. That's why I'm on Twitter is just to continually encourage Mises libertarians, paleos of all stripes, get in, get in the game. Cause we, we need more people in this party and, and you'd be surprised how many Republicans are paleo libertarians at heart, mm -hmm. but they don't have leaders. They don't have an example. They don't have people willing to push the agenda. This is pol politics is a game of leadership. It, Mm. It is all about leadership. Thomas Massey will tell you the same thing. Look, mm. it's, it's all about who's the Speaker of the House. Mm. Thomas Massey's been in Congress under bad leadership, and he can't do anything. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! And we're, we're always looking for that tipping point too. Right, that that Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell idea of the tipping point. Right, is it's no, another. It's the domino effect. You have to have one person stands up, another, and eventually you tip. Mm -hmm. Right, and you've kind of seen that to some extent in the Republican Party in some ways. Um, the the fact that there were you know eighteen twenty votes for Speaker of the House that's unprecedented since the Civil War. But you're beginning to see the work that. These paleo-minded people, the old Buchananites, the Ron Paul people, the Trump people have put in to sort of tip the apple cart. We're, we're Jesus in the temple. We're flipping tables. You know, these, these thieves are milking, the, you know, they're destroying the dollar. They're milking the working class. They're eroding our standard of living. We're flipping tables. That's what we're trying to do. Um, and I just need more people. I need, I need more table flippers. Yeah. Well, one thing that you laid out there that I liked, and this was always kind of my vision when it came to libertarianism, <clears throat> especially as I talk to more and more people, is that um, the leadership part where you do need leaders, because I don't think you have kind of like a groundswell of culture, right? Like, because totalitarian regimes are kind of filled in at every level. It's not like it's top down. You have leaders at every level. There's a decentralized revolution right you're going to have leaders at every level but those leaders are required to therefore drive things forward because your local community looks for that 
leader, you know, and, and that's almost like the way our government's kind of set up in a way, if you think about it, because if you look at like, you know, your congressman, your local township, you know, your mayor or whatever, then that person should be in theory, a leader that's elected through your community and kind of, you know, represents your values in a political sense. So um, I, I really think that point's important. And I think Tho made that point to me once in a tweet and I was like, I, I can't agree more. And I think that's what a lot of people are, especially libertarians who try to be so hyper individualist that they tend to lose this bigger point of like, you need to be a leader. You need to be, you know, willing to put yep. your own neck out there and say that you're responsible for this group of people. I mean, it's the same you know, kind of deals, you know, if you're the father of a family, right? You're the priest of the household where you're responsible for everybody that's underneath your roof. Okay, well, now right. extend your roof to a whole, you know, political committee and a county. And now you are the leader there and your ideas are going to be presented, um, you know, forward as the representation of all these people. I mean, look, I, I never understood the value of leadership um, until I joined, until I got into politics. And once I was in politics, um, it, it became pretty apparent to me that th really there are only two things that matter, courage and leadership. Mm -hmm. um, the, the ideas are in the backseat. Uh, they matter, believe me. I mean, I, I'm looking for, I mean, the, the ideas are a little bit of the, they're the spear, right? But you have to find the man to pick up the spear. And without that man, look, uh, Napoleon said, I found the crown of France in the gutter, and I picked it up. Yeah. I need Mises libertarians who are ready to pick up the crown and put it on and say, follow me. And you know what? Sometimes people will, sometimes people won't. Um, but it's it's very, it's very it's a real challenge, particularly when you have the, the, the groundswell of Republican voters, primary voters, they're not vocal, mm -hmm. right? This is a lonely world. Okay, you you try to do the right thing, you push, you push, you push. You're not getting thousands of messages of support, especially on the local level. People just don't pay that much attention. Right. Um, I mean, you you and oftentimes all you hear is criticism. All right, and you can be it can be tempted it can be tempting to overthink it, but it's it's about integrity. When push comes to shove, you can't worry about what other people think. You just have to do the right thing. That's a really hard thing to do when you're in the public eye. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we're talking about just giving change back to the cashier, you know, if she, you know, okay, that's great. That's integrity and private. Yeah. But integrity when everybody is looking is really tough. There's a lot of pressure on you from the inside. And sometimes, look, I've said, I've said this before. I, I actually tweeted out today. Travis Tritt announced that he would be pulling all of the Bud Light merchandise, all the Bud Light drinks from his concert tours. Uh, I think Anheuser, Anheuser Bush generally, that stuff's gone. And he says, you know, there's a lot of country musicians who are afraid to say anything, but I'm not. And I tweet, I retweet, I quote tweet, I said, courage is contagious. Mm -hmm. Kyle, courage is contagious, but so is cowardice. And if you have cowards around you, and they freak out and they panic at the thought of somebody not liking them. If they are more concerned about appearances than about doing the right thing and letting the chips fall where they may, it's uh, it's a problem. 
and it spreads like a virus inside of a party, inside of an organization. Man, it's all about leadership. Coming back, coming right back around to that. It, it is <laughs> all about leadership. Yeah, that, that's a really, really good bow on that point. But, you know, we saw that kind of in 2020 where like in my workplace, um, and once again, I've grown up <laughs> to tell you how kind of like the last place I worked, one of the largest donors to Trump, I, I worked with the guy. I mean, he had the MAGA hat, little Christmas ornament. He got a letter that said, hey, you're one of Pennsylvania's biggest donors to Trump. I mean, these guys are as Republican as the day is fucking long, right? These guys were all masked up in 2020, you know, saying that they're going to go get vaccinated. They were telling me to get vaccinated and stuff like that. And I'll tell you yeah. what, that that's a lot to fucking deal with, with guys that you interpret as dissidents and this is not necessarily knocking them for that decision because like the propaganda was fucking coming down on everybody but like you know these guys kind of succumb to the you know the propaganda and what was being thrown their way in march april of 2020 and you know i I had the foresight of saying like, this is bullshit. And if you look up back on my Facebook, I always comment on the post where <laughs> I want to say it was like March 5th of 2020. I said, I'm not scared of the coronavirus. I remember I knew, that. Yeah. <laughs> I knew from no, the outset, it was bullshit. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, once again, I don't fault people for not knowing, but you know, obviously after a certain amount of time, I'm sure if I went back there and talked to them about it now, they'd be like, yeah, maybe we got that wrong. Or they would just say, Hey, you know, we're not scared of it now. And I'm not going to go get my booster or whatever. Um, but like, you know, it goes to your point where cowardice is contagious or is contagious the same way courage and, is. You know, and I, I guess to some extent I think about this, right, Kyle? And you've got big Republican donors, mm -hmm. which means they're involved in the apparatus. And they were under the same pressure that Thomas Massey stood up to. Mm -hmm. right? It's the same voices. It's all the same money. It's all the same interests, all the same power players saying what needs to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And what you're going to do. It's, it's in libertarians, we're in a unique position because we're not in the game. Right. We're, we're on the outside. We don't, we don't feel that pressure. We don't have those voices. We're not around major money worried about what the donors are going to think. And you know what? That's part of the, that's part of the, maybe the most embarrassing thing about the party at that time is that the libertarian party is not even a player and they still bent the knee. They, they were never going to get any kind of reward for it other than just like personal reward. Maybe, you know, some, a little, you know again, yeah. The, the, and they still succumb to the pressure. That's probably the most embarrassing thing about it. You know, when a Republican breaks, like, I mean, there's a lot of pressure. But when a libertarian breaks, like you are an, you, I mean, you are, that's, that's pretty pathetic because <laughs> there is no pressure for a libertarian. None. I mean, come on. My God. Henchmen and, and the rest of that crew, like, dude. They, and you know what? Truth be told, they probably didn't break at all. They were, they, they were probably believed in it. They believed in the propaganda. They weren't even resistant. They weren't even resistant to it. Yeah. And so, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's my take on that, I guess, to some extent. And, 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 you know, your bosses, those, your former bosses, that's, you know, look, they're big donors, they're getting it too. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you've got guys like DeSantis. I mean, granted, you know, for the first two, three weeks, sure. Mm -hmm. Did what everybody else did. 
looked around pretty quickly and said, you know what? No, nope. We're not doing this anymore. Yeah. This is a joke. The evidence isn't there. Mm. He surrounded himself with good people He's, and he demonstrated courage. He demonstrated aptitude. I, I've tweeted out before, like at some point results matter. Yeah. Like Trump, I'm, I'm indebted to him for changing the party. And I'm not saying I wouldn't, I'm not saying there's no circumstance, you know, where I wouldn't support him or vote for him again. Um, but if, you know, DeSantis hasn't declared, but if DeSantis is an option, I mean, I, I think that's where, I think that's where my vote's going at this state. Okay. So I'm actually glad you pivoted there because this is something else I want to talk to you about. Um, I look, I've been really thinking about Trump and DeSantis. So like, um, let's zoom out to kind of like federal and foreign policy. Okay. So DeSantis is an ideological neocon by himself. Um, this is pretty evident by his voting record. Although there was that one vote where he voted against regime change in Syria. I don't necessarily put a lot of political stake at that because um you know it was obama at the time and you know a majority of his other votes are all for you know spying foreign pol or you know bad foreign policy stuff whatever okay so put a little pigeonhole on that because i want to come back to that later because there's something that's shaky about this whole concept for me right there Trump isn't ideological in that way in fact i don't think he's ideological at all he's pretty ego driven and the thing, his big downfall is that he's very susceptible to his ego, where he can be kind of pulled any which way by somebody who just tells him what he wants to hear, or if he seems to like them in that moment, you know, hence some of the people that he hired weren't good at all. I mean, he had four years, and then, you know, at the end of his four years, he he finally hired somebody who was decent, um, you know, Colonel Douglas McGregor, you know, in, in the, what is it, the lame duck period, to fix his foreign policy. And it's like, okay, well, you gave the dude, like, no time at all to do anything right, but, you know, you got John Bolton and Mark, Mike Pompeo. It, the Pompeo-Bolton thing is is tough yeah. to forget. I mean, <laughs> look, I, you know, and, and to sort of set you up, I guess, I mean, you can probably recite to me more flaws in Ron DeSantis than I could ever, uh, that I probably even know. No, okay. But, well, yeah. So this, this final point here is that if you look at the response in 2020, Trump kept or kept Fauci around the entire time, right? Now look at DeSantis and the way that he handles things down in Florida. Yep. He's able to assess when shit's going wrong. Like Trump had a good intuition for like, which way and what to say. And he still kind of has it because like there was a speech that he gave where he said, the enemy's not Russia, the enemy's not China, the enemy is them. And like that was spot on. And I don't think I don't think he was initially I was talking to Scott Horton about this, but I don't think initially he was gonna say the enemy is them. I think he was gonna say the enemy's China, but though he, you know, that little light bulb went off and it was the right thing. Now, DeSantis, on the other hand. I think if it was DeSantis in the White House in 2020, he would have probably said like, okay, Fauci has a good record. But then after a while, he would talk to the Jay Bhattacharyas, the Dr. Latipo, I think his name is down there, the Surgeon General. And then he would have said, all right, <laughs> Fauci's completely fucked this whole thing up. Let's get him out of here. DeSantis has that eye for talent. And look, I will knock him all day for his neoconservative stuff and his Zionism. But like when it comes to picking the right people for the job, his he's pretty much second to none. And when I see Thomas Massey come out to endorse him, I'm kind of like, 
will he be as bad as he was on foreign policy when he has somebody as phenomenal as Thomas Massey is here? So I know that's a long tangent, but like that really got my wheels kind of turning. Like this is this this is a very good development. I'm really excited to see how this plays out. Yeah, I hope we find out. I mean, um, look, like like I mentioned, I, I just um, I'm certainly not in a position to you know have a home run derby with attacks on DeSantis and then right. knock them back at you. I, I just, I don't know enough about it. I really yeah, that's don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what, what I have seen is really what you're, what you're saying here. And at some point results matter and <laughs> past performance predicts future performance. Yes. And so I look at Trump, I'm like, man, John, Bo he, he get, I mean, if Trump, <laughs> Trump bought, brought back Steve Bannon and said, you know, and he ran, and I said, I think I said this to you before, if, if Donald Trump spent the next couple of years going to McDonald's and handing out MAGA hats, mm. I'd probably vote for him. I, but because that's where he looks the best, but yeah. if he keeps going after DeSantis like this, takes no responsibility for COVID, takes mm -hmm. no, I mean, the, the Bolton stuff and, you know, you know, uh, the, um, the line about, you know, the enemy isn't Russia. The enemy isn't China. The enemy is Washington, DC. Aaron McIntyre, retweeted that and he's the exact words of the text but do you believe it do you understand what it means <laughs> uh, okay you know you know it's funny is that when you told me this i didn't quite understand it but now hearing you say it looking back at it i'm like oh he's campaigning it's, it's with, a, he's campaigning with lindsey graham and knocking santa's i mean <laughs> it's it's a line from starship troopers i mean <laughs> he is you know trump is saying the right thing mm -hmm. But I think many of us have lost faith that um, that he is ready to execute. I mean, and again, like he's he's also I mean he's very old. I, 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 I mean, that's kind of a cheap shot. Maybe people would say that, but I, I have I've learned that this is not a young man or this is not an old man's game. Mm -hmm. This is a young man's game, and um, man, DeSantis has American Caesar written all over him, and. Um, Okay, you know we can we can pick apart his congressional his congressional votes ten years ago. Uh, my politics today are very different than my politics ten years ago. Um, now, does that mean DeSantis is no? It doesn't mean anything necessarily. I'm just, it's just a recognition that you know people do change, and we've seen a lot of good things out of Ron DeSantis. I mean, if you would have looked at his congressional record, I mean, on anything he wasn't Thomas Massey, he wasn't Ron Paul. You wouldn't have predicted everything he's done in Florida up to this point. I, I really don't think so. So, right. I mean, I mean the, uh, frankly, De DeSantis is an inspiration to me as a Republican and particularly, particularly the way he handles the administrative state. Yeah. Um, what he's doing with Christopher Rufo in Florida in, for lack of a better word, really, no, I'm not going to say it. He's uh, he's clearing house in these uh, administrative bureaucracies and um, going on an absolute tear against wokeism and progressivism, DEI, all that inside these institutions, particularly colleges and universities. I mean, this this guy is executing the Bannon playbook. Uh, as far as I can see, I mean, I'm not a Bannon expert, but that's that's my vague impression here i mean the, going to war against the administrative state is exactly what republicans have to do it's exactly what we have to do yeah and so, he's doing it i i i don't know i mean imagine 
DeSanta is doing in Florida, doing what he's done in Florida to the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. That, that's the administrative state. He's demonstrate. He's done. He's he is the MVP of the AAA league. I mean, let's get him up into the majors and let him go to work. Now, I, mean, I and I understand the very different game mm-hmm. when you're in DC. Maybe he is better suited in, in Florida. And if that's the case, just don't run. Right. I, I beg. I, the last thing I want to see is DeSantis run and then lose in a vicious Republican primary. Yeah. Okay. So kind of to that point as well. Um, and, and this is kind of like a dumb question, but like personally, I think if Trump runs again, everyone seeming to point to like Carrie Lake as his VP. I think he loses. I think he gets his ass beat if he runs, especially with Carrie Lake, just because Carrie Lake's such an unlikable person to a lot of people. Um, and I think a lot of people are actually fatigued of just like Trump and the reaction. Like, I kind of think that's what happened in 2020. God. Carrie Lake is defined by the election um, controversy in Arizona. Right. And I, I think Carrie Lake is a, is a talented leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she has a real gripe, a legitimate gripe in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think her accusations are probably justified or are probably correct. Sure. Um, but until there is final justice delivered in Arizona, I, I, don't, I don't think he can pick her as a running mate. Mm-hmm. It's just more election 2020, stolen election, stolen election. And mm-hmm. look, I, I'm not saying it's not legit- legitimate. Um but I am saying that I and, – and I'm not saying those aren't real problems that don't need to be solved. And um, But frankly – Yeah, people don't want to keep hearing about 2020. don't want to keep hearing about it, right? So Republicans <laughs> have to do that, right? Yeah. Republicans like myself, we have to make those changes to election law. We mm-hmm. do. But it's not necessarily your public-facing – look, I ran here locally with a mission – to clean up some of the administrative bureaucracies that the issues we're having and we have had and to put policies in place to prevent this misconduct. That is not an election winner. I I put taxpayers first on my signs. I believe in that. Um, I do believe in responsible spending. I believe in not, not wasting taxpayer money. I don't believe in funding a bunch of fluff. Uh, I'm a traditionalist, right? Those are things that I promoted Again, I'm not saying that these aren't issues that really need to be dealt with. It's just they're not election winners. Right. But we do need to deal with them. Um, that's that's my view. I, again, I think Carrie Lake's pretty great. I, I kind of like her. I think she's really impressive. I think she comes across. I've been impressed. Uh, maybe not everybody feels that way. Uh, but I, I, I – and, you know, we can, we can have – I mean, I'm not exactly well-informed on the, on the election scene. I mean, I can continue having this conversation with you. I just don't know if that's – to some extent, I think what I bring to the table in this com- in the sort of online liberty community is a Republican perspective locally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't mean to sort of move the conversation away. Yeah, I don't, no, that's fine. It needs to die of its own volition, I think, is the Seinfeld <laughs> line. But but I just I want to make sure I'm providing some value here. And I I mean, Tho would have much much better opinions than I would. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, so I guess on a local level then, because this kind of does, I guess, go to that, that conversation as well. Um, do you think the appetite is more for DeSantis or Trump? Because like I said, in my opinion, I think Trump loses. But I think if it's DeSantis, I think DeSantis wins because DeSantis uh, is a fucking – he's a spear. 
Yeah, with, with the with the grassroots, it's Trump all yeah. the way. I mean, okay. Nobody's got nobody's got DeSantis flags in their lawn and all that. <laughs> it's just, that's just the reality. And I'm yeah, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I respect the hell out of what Trump has done to this party. I mean, it mm -hmm. needed an exorcism, and exorcisms are nasty. I mean, look, it's just watch the movie. <laughs> right? It's not all fun and games here. Yeah. The priest dies at the end. Spoiler alert. Um, and so that 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 was required. Mm -hmm. um but here locally it, it is trump country it will continue to be trump country and that's kind of the challenge for ron DeSantis is that he is actually in, in a very odd way DeSantis is carrying the trump torch but yet finds himself at odds with the man he's getting the torch from mm -hmm. right trump through this party for flip tables in this party going after the establishment in DC and DeSantis has become a great governor because he has interposed himself between his people and DC. It, it is this geographical rivalry that both of these men have sort of become figureheads in. And we're sort we're sort of seeing this competition between these two great populists, although maybe not ideological populists, they, they function that way. Um, and so here on the grassroots level, um, I don't think that there is a, um, I, I think people still love Trump and I think people love DeSantis too. And I, I for, for, for where I stand, I continue to cite these men as political heroes in my party. When I'm talking to Republicans, when I'm talking to other members of my party, and I'm trying to bring them in my direction, I'm in, I'm, rec I'm encouraging them. Look at, look at Ron DeSantis. He makes me proud to be a Republican. All right, I'm speaking to my people from within their own tradition. I, uh, I cite Thomas Massey. I cite Ron Paul. I cite Pat Buchanan. And right now, I'm proud to be able to cite the Indiana State Legislature that um, recently banned trans surgeries on minors. Mm -hmm. I told the uh, sponsor of the uh, bill, I said, next step is ban it all together. <laughs> this, this stuff is crazy. This yeah. stuff is crazy. And I know we can talk all day about the right to do what you want with your body, libertarianism and all that. I get it. But do I, do I have an, a, a, a cohesive libertarian argument for why that stuff needs to be banned for adults too? <laughs> no, there isn't one. That's the downfall of libertarianism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's kind tongue, of funny. That, that is a tongue-in-cheek comment. I've, let me be clear. Yeah. I've, I've not worked this out. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, that's all, that's all right. Um, so this actually kind of does get to another thing I wanted to talk about because I told you I was just the Orrin McIntyre a little bit. And um, I listened to him on Pete's show where they were kind of talking about the left's ownership of, like, the term racist and how when you say the left is the, you know, the political left or the real racist, why that just kind of falls flat and why nobody gives a shit is because, once again, the political right and the cultural right doesn't have a monopoly on this specific, like, feeling, right? Like, when the political right tries to shame – or you know, even the cultural right tries to shame people. It's not the same effect because you realize that the cultural right doesn't necessarily have as much like capital as like the whole political left. Because when you think about the political and cultural left, you think about entertainment, you think about a lot of the political class, you think about all of these institutions that like, if you're shamed by them, you're like barred from society. So when the right says that, oh, you're a racist, it's like, 
okay, well, we're, you know, what are you going to do? Just like say a mean tweet to me, <laughs> you know, fuck it. I'll just block you. Michael Malice has a line that the Republican Party platform is a collection of things the left allows us to believe. <laughs> there is so much truth in that. And it doesn't matter what we write down on paper. Republican behavior is exactly that. When if somebody calls you a racist, oh my God. I'm not a racist. I have black friends. That's what Republicans say. It's the boomer con response. Call, call me a racist. I don't care. People call Republicans racist all the time. My, my, I, I am, I am um, currently in a lawsuit. I'm suing a couple of people for defamation. Jesus. I'm not going to talk about it, but it does go back to the, uh, the, twits, the tweet storm um, over the sign issue. Mm-hmm. And my attorney asked me, you're filing for defamation over some, some comments they made. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, what about these racial racist comments? He's like, you know, that could be defamation too. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if somebody calls me racist. They've been calling, they've been calling us racist forever. I, I've been, as long as I've been alive, Democrats <laughs> have been calling Republicans racist. Mm-hmm. That doesn't bother me. And, um, but some Republicans, it bothers them a whole lot, mm-hmm. a whole lot. They just want to be liked by the left. Oh, my God. If somebody if somebody from the Indy Star or the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette or some journalist somewhere doesn't like a Republican, they're Republicans. It's just the end of the world for them. They just want to be liked. Or better yet, they just want to be left alone. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance or definitely cardio performance would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also it tastes really really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really really good. So uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. Alright guys, thanks. Let me tell you When the mob is at your door, you want to be left alone, but the mob doesn't want to leave you alone. That's why they're a mob, Kyle. The side that wants to win will always beat the side that wants to be left alone. That's McIntyre's line. And I learned that the hard way. When When those leftists on Twitter came after me and they started calling my colleagues, calling my friends calling me a racist to these people, to my, to my colleagues, harassing people. Everybody just wanted to be left alone. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to leave us. Alone. Yeah, dude. It's, oh yeah. I was just going to let that rest. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it's, it's hard to think of a good response, but um, you know, I, I did see Pete tweet today, something about, you know, you won't have your Liberty 
unless you're willing to stick a gun in somebody's mouth and tell them you're not teaching that commie shit here, which sounds fucking horrible. But at the same time, like at a certain point, when do you say no? And I like, shared, I shared a meme the other day. It was Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were in the camps, we learned one thing: that the enemy only responds to force. That is the only thing they know. Mm-hmm. Violence and intimidation. That is all they know. They want to scapegoat you. They want to isolate you. They want to destroy you. They hate you. They hate our values. They hate our communities. They look at us, Kyle, the same way the Bush administration looked at Iraq. They would want, they just want to nuke us from the face of the earth. But, you know, lucky for us, we're their tax farm. Mm. We grow their food. We fix their cars. And it is, they, they, they think they drive through rural Indiana. And they see rural communities that are impoverished because their jobs have been shipped overseas. They see rural communities that have been terrorized by drugs because we have open borders. They see rural communities that have been strip mined by the Federal Reserve because of a rigged financial system. And they think that our communities are falling apart because we're not progressive. They think it's because we don't have pride flags and we're not high-minded we're we're not elevated that and, and they 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 think that and they hate us and those are the people those people that they hate the left hates the progressives hate those are the people i represent those are the people i try to remember and those people they they elect republicans to go defend their interests and republicans face a little bit of pressure or republicans face just a little bit of adversity and we fold and we can't understand why our, we can't understand why our constituents are so angry, why tea parties exist. We can't understand why groups like Liberty defense exist. They're pretty active here in the area. And, oh my gosh, we, we just, we hate the tactics, the nasty, the nasty tactics of guys like will fight from uh, the national association of gun rights. We hate the tactics. We want decorum. We want to play by the rules. And we lose. We lose. I mean, we're, I, I was talking to a good friend of mine today and he said, man, you are blackpilled. And he said, don't worry, I'm blackpilled too. I said, well, listen, I said, the black pill gives you a little bit of freedom in this game because when you're red pilled, you're holding out hope. Mm-hmm. When you're black pilled, you're just trying to stop the tide. You're standing in the in the river and it is washing over you and it's crashing down around you and all you have to do is stand. Like, look, I, I'm just going to do whatever I can to stop this train from going off the tracks. I asked my friend what brought it up. I asked him, I said, what would it be like? I'll ask you, Kyle, what would it be like to live in a real country? A real country where your values are represented in institutions, where the people who rule don't hate you. Where, my God, you have a country that you actually feel like fighting to defend. Not the ruins, not that the ruins we're walking through, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to rebuild this thing, but a country where you would be proud to defend it. There is a, 
there's a right wing meme and then I'll, then I'll shut up here, but there's this meme going around. Like, what did they fight for? And you see it in meme form where the men in Normandy, like, this is why they died. Right. And it's a, it's a thought bubble and it's, you know, some drag queen reading to a child. Right? This is why they died. And right wingers are beginning to question was world war II worth it? And that, that's where I am. It's like, man, you're black pill. I, I, there's freedom in it. No, you I'm, know what? I'm trying to stop. Yeah. I'm trying to stop a, a train wreck. With it's, you feel like you're Superman, but you don't have super strength, and this train is running at you. Just, I'm going to try to stand in front of it. I don't. You know what? And you're saying it's black pilled. As much as I hate the the whole pilled terminology in a political context, I, I think it's actually a very very optimistic white pill kind of note because you're trying to get it off the tracks. Because you think you can do it, right? And, and not even knowing that you can do it, but you're under the impression that you can do something and that you, even with all your flaws, could still manage to at least do something to push things in the right direction. I can't think of anything more optimistic than that. And maybe it's just because by my nature, <laughs> I'm a pretty big optimist. I'm a relatively happy person. But like any change that's for the good and, and yeah we're all cynical about about political stuff and like when you see um somebody perhaps say or do the right thing sometimes you're like ah eh, you know what the fuck's it mean does it really matter do they mean it um in, in a situation kind of like you're laying out there I, I like i said i think it's an optimistic note because you're saying that i'm going to do something about this despite the odds right because i think if you really were blackpilled you just say all right well just fucking stick a gun in my mouth i'm gonna go sit at home jack off and do nothing else <laughs> well right? i mean i guess the the the, the black pill in me would say i'm gonna serve one term i'm getting out of this mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna let the whole thing go to hell no i mean i'm not gonna stay home i'm not gonna commit suicide i'm not gonna choose those but there is and and look I guarantee you there's a lot of guys in politics that get in, they get blackpilled and they're like, well, you know what? Let's just raid the treasury, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just ride this thing out. I'm going to get what I can out of it for myself and my family. And they're not going to do the right thing. They're going to go yeah. along to get along because that's going to keep them in this cushy position. That's, that's there. That's there. There are men who get in it and they believe in something and they're in it long enough and it gets them. I mean, it, it just, they get sucked into the abyss mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm not there. I'm not there. I still, I, I, I don't think I'll ever get there. I've, mm -hmm. I've kind of planted my flag on something I believe in and that's where it's, that's where we're going to go. Okay. So uh, like, I guess kind of going back to the sign deal, because you talk, you touch on a little bit, but, um, I remember I quote tweeted the picture shortly after you deactivated for a brief period on Twitter. Um, I wish I had the exact quote up, but um, I said it was taking a shovel just to the roots of the um, of progressivism in a locality, and the mob came after you, and that was kind of a game changer. Looking, you know, from the outside looking in, because you know my interpretation is, and once again, you live in Indiana, I live here in Pennsylvania. Um, you would think that small towns are safe and that like your locale would be there for you and it wouldn't be a big deal. But, you know, just like, it wasn't even like you came out vociferously against the sign. You just said, Hey, we're like removing this. Um, 
because like who, who cares it, you know if you're just not why, why does the town have to be inclusive who cares like if you're a welcome member of the community and you don't act like an asshole you're, you're probably going to be fine anywhere you go in, in you know most parts of this country so why does there have to be a sign that says we're inclusive like our, nobody cares <laughs> our county spends a lot of money mm-hmm. both city and county making sure that we're not an inclusive community you, you come here <laughs> And you mess around, commit crimes, you act a fool, you get arrested and you wind up in the criminal courts. You wind up going through the justice system mm-hmm. and you go to jail. Right. Spent a lot of money making sure we're not an inclusive community. We have drug task force. Mm-hmm. We, we, we've spent, I, I don't know any way to put it. And, uh, and to be, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, go, go ahead, go ahead. I, I just... It's, it's, um, you know, the idea that we, this, this word has really taken on some kind of strange, sick, like it is like sacred to the left, which is why it became, which is why it became such a flashpoint. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's not sacred to me. It, it is, it's a, it's a slogan that they use to get what they want. Mm-hmm. It, it's, and, um, and uh, yeah, you 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 do you you. I think you kind of. I think you may have actually tweeted this out that um, you kind of reveal, you pull back the curtain a little bit on what matters to the enemy, and the reality is they want their symbols ruling over our communities. They're they're imperialists. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily live here. Some of them do, but the real harassment and the intimidation and the threats came from people who don't live around here. And it was important to them that their symbols remain in the faces of my people. Mm-hmm. In, in my face, in my neighbor's face, even though the signs don't even say our community name, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care. That word doesn't just mean we're not a sundown town. That word doesn't just mean, hey, there's no Jim Crow around here, right? Nobody believes in that. This sign means to these people that we're okay with transitioning children. That's what those signs mean. Mm-hmm. We're okay with drag queen story hour for youths. We're okay with predators getting an audience with children. Mm-hmm. That's what that sign means to these people. And they want it in our face. Yeah. And you desecrated their religion, essentially. That's right. That's right. Bingo. Bingo. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Because that's to take down their religious symbols. That's exactly what they want. It was like uh, putting a crucifix. The Ten Commandment controversy from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. It was like essentially hanging their crucifix within your town, which I'm guessing probably isn't largely pro drag queen story hour and pro, uh, you know, Bozo the Clown with a vagina and a mustache reading to little kids yeah i mean we're running 80 percent republican county <laughs> right and so, uh yeah so i mean it's, it's a kind of circle back um to to your sort of original question with with regard to the signs and maybe you can maybe you can repeat it i'll kind of let you steer the conversation here mm. oh um just like it's really impressive to me and i know this isn't necessarily a question but it's more of like a a statement i'm curious kind of your thoughts as it's kind of happened but like just how 
like the reaction to it was so surprising to me because it, it seems something so small, like, so yeah. like somebody <laughs> wouldn't care about it. Like if yeah, there's a little picture right here, like that is a piece of paper from the first ever show that I played out in a bar, like if someone threw it away, yeah, I'd be a little broken up, but like, you know, it's a sign, right? Right, so to right. speak, isn't it? It kind of means something to me. My old guitar player gave it to me because he knew it was the first show I ever played. It's so something. Kyle, this wasn't about the science. This was this was right. about this was about regulating the political speech of Republicans. This was about controlling what we are allowed to do. Yes, and it was very. It, I mean, the playbook was specifically out of Alinsky, Rules for Radicals. What they engaged in, the tactics they used, were. I, I told my party, I said, I, I give them credit. They want to win. And they're, they know they know how to play this game. Yeah. We're not prepared for it. I, I told a friend, I said, I felt like, you know, that scene from Lord of the Rings where Aragorn runs at the Black Gates. Imagine the camera pans back behind him and everybody are, everybody's just kind of standing around. <laughs> and nobody follows him. Like, what is going on here? But I, I said, I take the L on that. I, my, my people were not prepared for that kind of social media campaign. Mm -hmm. We're a small community. We're stuck in the 70s and 80s technologically. Um, we, we don't have the agility to respond to something like that in terms of infrastructure within the party. Um, this was a, a well-executed political social media attack. And... You know, my, my biggest, re the reason I deactivated the account was to stop the phone call harassment on my people right. in, the, in the city hall, on county, and, and on me to some extent, although that was actually much more limited. The point wasn't to go after me. The point was to piss my colleagues off, to scapegoat me. They, 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 they single you out. I mean, if I were getting harassing phone calls, that doesn't hurt me. Right. You call my friends, that hurts me. And they know that. So the, nobody was prepared for that, for that situation. But the, the biggest mistake I made was deactivating the account in retrospect. Mm -hmm. um, now, I, I don't apologize for what I said. Never have. And I, I certainly won't. I've staked my, my claim on it. Um, and... And I've made that, I've made that clear. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll say that, let me, the, the, the problem with, like, I, okay, so the, the regret deactivating the account really, it, it stops the bleeding but it sets a tone in the party that when the left screams, we listen. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem. And unfortunately, many of us that week in the party made mistakes. We weren't prepared for it. Right. In the future, we will not make those same mistakes. Strategically, tactically. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I had a lot of people come around me. I had a lot of people support me during that week. A lot of people who were like, and you didn't do anything wrong. This is what our voters want. 
Um, we, we, we're tired of this woke stuff. People are, have had it. And, um, and you know, my, the, the irony of it is, you know, I didn't even make the decision. Uh -huh. <laughs> Council members on the board of works made the decision to remove uh -huh. the signs. I was just, Hey, I go to those meetings. It's in my district. I saw the news. I was like, all right, great. <laughs> and, um, I'm not going to speak more specifically than that. Um, but it, it was a learning lesson in tactics for me and for the party. And there, there's a quote from Machiavelli, do not win by force what can be won by deception. All right. And I, I think that's something that Republicans need to take to heart to some degree. We don't always have to charge into battle, especially locally over some of these issues. Uh, there are other ways we can, we can play the game. Now, if you, if you have a local Republican party who is full of young tech savvy guys who understand narrative, who understand social media, go ahead, fight that battle, but don't take a loaf of bread into a sword fight. If you can imagine an old cartoon with the French, you know, the French bread, you know, you don't want to wind up with a, with a against a guy with a real sword and you have the loaf of bread. That's what I'm trying to say. So yeah, you, or I guess the, don't take a, a knife to a gunfight, right? That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> tactically understand the limits of your people and don't pick fights that they're not prepared to to fight. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's like I said, I would have never thought that a sign in a thousand years would have been the thing that kind of got people going. Well, yeah, okay. In, in my defense, I didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah <laughs> so it's, it's, that's, I didn't really mean to do that. I, mm -hmm. But see, they saw you as the guy who was willing to, you know, take a dagger to the roots of what their religious ideology was. And even though you weren't necessarily the one to do it, you're the one saying that, hey, I'm okay with this. So therefore, hey, you're in the out group. Yeah. You did something that we recognize as transgression well, against our they were, religion. They were also stalking me. I had gotten their attention um, a few months prior where there was a, a woman who posted a picture of a man breastfeeding a real baby. Uh, I know where this is going. Right. Yeah. And she said, just give me the chance to vote for a Christian nationalist or whatever. I'm, I'm, she's like, she's done. This is like child abuse and the culture is celebrating it. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think I replied something to the effect of like, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you my limits. I, I, would I know vote. exactly what tweet you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was just <laughs> ban abortion, ban teachers' unions, tax credits for straight married couples, bring back the Stan Spanish Inquisition, <laughs> which is a Monty Python reference if you don't if you don't know it. Um, and they that was when this this particular group really I got their attention because that tweet got a lot of traction. People really liked it. And so it made the rounds. And then some of the leftists in Indiana were really upset because I was running for county council right. and, you know, the rest is history. But, uh, you know, and I can look, I, I view to some extent, this is my fight with the Balrog. It was a very difficult experience. I learned a lot. Um, I lost six pounds in a week. Uh, it was, um, you know, <laughs> You, you can come after me. I don't care. But when you come after my friends and my colleagues, that bothers me. Mm -hmm. um, that really hurts me. It really gets me. And our enemies know that. And that's why they do it. They know it's effective. Um, so 
I think you sort of to, to wrap up that at least at least that portion, um, you're you do have to make sure that you're. Let me let me circle back to something I said at the beginning of this conversation, where you and Tho and Pete are in a different. You fill a different role than I do in in the remnant, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have the freedom and the and the ability to speak a little bit more freely about some of these issues, um, and maybe a little bit more theoretically. You can speak more abstractly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can explore some ideas in public ways that I can't. Um, and I am learning that lesson. I'm learning my role now. I've, uh, I've never been in politics. Everybody's learning on the job here. And, um, so to recognize that there are things that you can say that will hurt your people like, okay, no taken, no Mm -hmm. taken. Yeah. That's a brutal lesson to learn. And I mean, I made a thread on Twitter the one day where I just kind of laid out like, um, you know, I don't care if people rip on me because I entered the arena knowing full well that I am willing to, you know, say some controversial shit and I'm willing to piss people off if it means speaking the truth. You know, I, I put out a tweet today about seed oils and artificial sweeteners and people were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. ballistic, but like, look, if you you're have, right on that, by the way, <laughs> I, I know, I know yeah. because I read the fucking studies. And uh-huh. nobody, it, everybody comes back with antidote and stuff like that. Like, and I always ask, please show me human outcome data, please. It, Cause if you have something, I'll change my mind, but nobody ever does. And look, and, dude, and, you know, go, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I talked to the fucking experts on this shit, dude. I've had people who run the one dude who's been on the show, Alan Flanagan. He he's on the um, cardiovascular board over in like the UK or something like mm-hmm. that. He runs a linear nutrition, which is a whole fucking nutrition research thing. Like, I, I'm not stupid. I'm not a fucking expert in this stuff, but I talk to the people who are. So, and once again, I link studies in everything I say that's usually controversial like that because I know people are going to get pissed off. But, you know, it, if I'm in that game, well, sorry, the, the larger point is somebody came after my wife once or like I've had like two people on Twitter insult my wife and look, my wife is gorgeous and she is fucking tough as nails. But like, don't she has nothing to do with anything I say on Twitter. She's not responsible for me. I'm responsible for me. So like, if you come after people that I give a fuck about, then you're going to get blocked. And you know, if not, I'm going oh, yeah, to, yeah. I ran a, I ran a blockchain on, I've got <laughs> close to 14,000 people blocked on Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, and I locked down my account. I was just like, I'm now I've, I've since unlocked my account mm-hmm. and I'll be, um, I guess I'll be more careful in the future about what I tweet, but yeah, yeah. The, the blockchain highly recommended. And, um, and w- when I ran the blockchain of people who were following this account, I lost like 25 followers, a lot of stalkers. Ooh. Yep. Fuck. Yeah. But it, it, anyways, pe- people who would go after like my wife, once again, who has nothing to, she doesn't care yeah. about any of this shit. The main reason why I started this fucking podcast is so she didn't have to fucking hear about it. I mean, every time I sit down to record a podcast, <laughs> there's a picture of her and I walking on the beach right after we got <laughs> married, because, you know, obviously that's a very meaningful moment for me. And, you know, the picture mm-hmm. looks nice right there. But to the point, she didn't leave her out of this. Like, you could rip on me all day. I'll take it. But don't go after the people I give a fuck about. Yeah, you know, that, it was kind of, I guess, but that's kind of sick, especially for just, you know, just a, a podcaster. Right. Going after family, 
mm-hmm. on, a, on a podcaster that's 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 yeah. freaky uh, yeah that's i don't blame you i mean yeah you can't, you can't use the block button enough you can't no. i i no. have people who disagree it's like you know like and the the rationale is well they'll tweet they'll they'll take a screenshot of the fact that you block them and then retweet it and take a victory parade i'm like well yeah they do that but everybody who sees that knows that you were just being an asshole and that's why they blocked you like that's that's the only reason people get blocked there was somebody who tweeted out a screenshot that i blocked them three times they tweet like three times yeah, and when, when people do that out. and i see it i'm like yeah you were the guy that blocked you was almost 99.9 percent of the time the guy that blocked the, the other guy was in the right mm-hmm. don't be an asshole to people you won't get blocked yeah <laughs> They're, oh, they're tweeting this out like there's some you know oh look at the coward who blocked me no there's no cowardice on twitter you're just being a dick that's yeah. why you blocked me. well i i have been blocked by people and it was probably well deserved i can at least admit that because i yeah i've been blocked people. by people too yeah. and yeah mm-hmm. no. but but you know i at least i hope you would know that um when it comes to good people and people that i give a fuck about and that i think are good faith actors i'll go to bat for anybody even if we disagree on stuff if i think that you're coming at it in good faith I have no problem defending anybody. Even if I completely disagree with the position, if I think you came to that position in good faith and that you're operating in good faith, I have no problem defending those people. You know, uh, Forrest Mommy, she just went through a uh, a bit of an episode on Twitter and I Mm. I gained a lot of respect for her. I'm like, you know what? Did her ground. Mm. And, you know, she had these maniacs coming after her. And, um, you know, unfortunately uh, for the journalist, he didn't have an army of people ready to harass her right <laughs> she had a big following and people really rallied around her and uh, that was actually really great to see it's like all right you know they're they're going after this jerk journalist who i think mm. didn't really dox her but you know when you when you share that information to a lot he knew body, what he was doing he knew what he was doing and um and boy he really backtracked fast <laughs> Well, you know what? I tweeted out shortly after that. I'm like, that is the white pill. You know, get up, yeah, be happy, right. go get a workout in and know that like, this is what can happen to you. Like, it may seem a little bit rocky in the first place, but like, look at all the people that said, oh, <laughs> we're dunking yeah, out. Like, you know this what? is go time. And, and here's the, here's the benefit of Force Mommy, you know, like she goes through that on Twitter and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there was no army there to like descend on city hall. She wasn't elected yet. She's a libertarian. My story wound up in my local newspaper front page. Oh no shit. Yeah, dude. They all <laughs> signed controversy. They called the, these leftists sent um, press releases up to um, Fort Wayne, a town North of us, a large city North of us, got their Fort Wayne, big city media to come down to our city hall, ambush our mayor. Mayor has no idea what's going on. He's 79. And he's like, what is happening here? And, um, you know, so they swarm on him. They're interviewing the like district three chairwoman, uh, you know, like Jim Banks district. All right. And they're interviewing the Democrat chair of that district. I'm like, I I have really kicked the hornet's nest here. Haven't I? And, um, (laughs) <laughs> it was just a wild couple weeks mm-hmm. over this sacred word that you know they, it's very important to them they mm-hmm. um they do not want to see republicans asserting control over their own counties 
it, it drives them crazy. Yeah. Um, and they they saw they saw a way in. And you know what what I when I fu- when I fully realized that it was a hit job, this was an orchestrated hit job on me, was when I was watching the news, the evening news. I was on the evening news, Kyle. This story was on the evening <laughs> news. I'm watching the evening news. I, so I didn't talk to any journalists. Like they're calling me, sending me emails, like. I don't have anything to say. I'm not going to breathe. I'm not going to throw f- gasoline on this fire. You're not going to report what I say, honestly, anyways. Right. You just, you're out there to make money. This is not a real story. They want this clicks. is a Twitter spat. You just want clicks. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So they're calling me and all that stuff. But the moment I realized it was a hit job was when I'm watching the news and they share screenshots of my tweets and of the of people's opinions and stuff like that. And all the screenshots are from the activist group that was going after me. I'm like, Oh, like they didn't even, the, the, the news station didn't even bother clipping out, you know, Indiana progressives, Twitter handle. Like, well, these sons of bitches, <laughs> like, this is all a, a very well-timed, very well-organized attack. And, you know, and this thing can take a life of its own too. And um, so when I see, you know, Indiana progressives is like faint there in the screenshot, I'm like, hey, those, these weren't, these people weren't on Twitter and just like organically, these journalists organically found this. No, they're being sent screenshots. They're a bunch of leftist journalists anyways. Mm-hmm. And they're working in, in tandem with this activist group, Indiana progressives. And then the, there's a, a statement from the Democrat party chair. It, it was, it was all just all organized. It's mm-hmm. all very nice and neat. And, I, and that's when I called my campaign manager. I'm like, Hey, have you seen this? She's like, what? I'm like, this is the story. And she's like, dude, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm like, yeah, I know, but <laughs> it's, 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 we don't control the narrative. And, um, and then, yeah, that's that's when we were both kind of recognizing, like, okay, this was this was really a hell of an operation. Well done. Yeah, that's that, that, that day. I I sent out a Facebook post. I it might have been a couple of days later. It's it very simple. Jeff diced. The difference between the right and the left is that the left is serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, man. One last topic, and then uh, we'll we'll call yeah, a wrap. Sure thing. Van Hagar or uh, David Lee Roth? Oh, God. Oh, God. So, okay, let, let's unpack this just for a minute. <laughs> do, you, do you mean Eddie Van Halen's guitar performances in those years? Or do you mean the bands as a whole? The bands as a whole. All right. So I think that the band as a whole, I have, I'm, I'm going to go with Hagar. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an unpopular opinion. I love the Roth stuff. Yeah. Damn it, man. OU812 and Balance 5150. Like these albums are so great. Yeah. Cabo Wabo, that song, I, it, it, Dreams, mm-hmm. 5150, the song. That's yeah. probably, that's one of Eddie's great guitar licks. Now you've really got me going here. I know you're you're trying to wrap up, but I, now I just want to talk about Van Halen. Oh my god! Oh yeah, I just well, bought a Wolfgang um, a Wolfgang special, mm-hmm. um, and so now I'm yeah really 
Oh, you know what? I it's got the I, locking tremolo and but it yeah. has the drop D little D tuner. Oh yeah. On the tremolo. So I'm really looking. You tune the whole thing half a step down and then you drop D, which is Yeah, D. so it would be C sharp. It's C sharp, right? And I'm listening. Oh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Underrated Van Halen song. If you yeah. look up the live, I think it's from 1995 Balance Tour, Amsterdam. Eddie's tone, his, the performance, awesome. It's unbelievable. It's such you know, a great- I think, Yeah, I think you and I were talking about this. Yeah. Maybe we were. I think we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm with you. A lot of people would knock my uh, Van Halen taste. Like, I know my uh, singer, uh, and if you've listened to my band, you'll know that my singer's like second to none. She's fucking incredible, but uh, she's uh, on the David Lee Roth train. So, uh, And me and my drummer are both- Dude, <laughs> little guitars, man. Mm-hmm. Little guitars. Mm-hmm. Little guitars. You you could sway me on this with little guitars, ice cream man, Eddie's mm-hmm. solo and ice cream man. It, it, unbelievable. What mm-hmm. a musician. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, granted, you know, the, the vocal, there's a, there's a limitation to the Roth stuff, but it's still, mm-hmm. dude, the lyrics of jump, jump. Yeah. See, now you're going to, you're going to make me change my mind here. Just <laughs> on talking about everything. It's impossible. Uh, to It's, it's all fantastic stuff, dude. And I'm not a, uh, did I'm you, not... I'm sorry. I was gonna ask, did you get in enough McIntyre in this interview or did you, we can split this up into two episodes. If you want to go deeper into McIntyre and the local, the mm-hmm. local party machine. We'll have to do another one because I, I've, I just like, as in yesterday, started kind of listening like i listened to him on michael malice i listened to him with okay. Dave smith okay. and then i listened to some of this stuff on his own channel and then i listened to him on pete uh pete show and i everyone kept telling me i need to listen to him and i'm like i think i do but like at first i'm like i didn't really hear anything that impressive and then like the more and more i listen i'm like I'm liking what he's saying. And I don't necessarily agree with 100% of everything, but like an overwhelming majority, I'm like, there's definitely something that needs to be taken away here that um, I don't get in my typical political dialogue. There is, there is, um, we, we had a party breakfast recently and I'll kind of close with this and several of us under 40, or right around the 35 to 40 year old range, we stood up and spoke. And we talked about how this party as a whole needs to stop apologizing for its conservative values. This is what our people want. And we have got to start standing on what we believe more strongly. And I, when I stood up and spoke, I specifically, um, we had a state representative in there and I specifically gave the state of Indiana credit for banning this transmutilation of children like that makes me proud to be a republican and so i again for your listeners there is a real there is a tangible place in the republican party where you can get engaged locally and you can for lack of a better word be an evangelist inside a party that has truly lost its way and in in a lot of ways um, and you can start speaking to the party, but you, you need to speak to the party from within its own tradition. And that is why I continue to hammer the paleo tradition within the Republican Party. Um, and you find Republican heroes that you believe in, whether it's Thomas Massey 
whether it's Pat Buchanan, you can go back to Harding and Coolidge, you know, read the great conservative thinkers and start speaking to this party from within its own tradition and encouraging this party and demonstrating to this party to have to, to, to stand on its convictions courageously. You have, you have to lead that this party is desperate for leaders. Desperate. Look, man, like it is not getting into politics. Is, there's not a high bar, especially, especially Republican politics. All right. It, it, I've, I've it is a wasteland right now. The, uh, the opportunity for paleo libertarians, for Mises libertarians to take some serious, to get some serious influence in this party, you're not going to take it over, but you can have influence. The fertile, uh, <laughs> the soil is fertile. Nice man. I, I, I botched my closing. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, that's okay. Well you, well, you got one more shot. Um, is there anything you want to shout out? Um, anywhere uh, people can check you out, support you, uh, anything yeah, like you, that? Sure, you can follow me on Twitter, Paleo GOP. You'll get a lot more of this crap that I've been talking about today. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, the shout outs are all to the to the people you mentioned. They, I mean, it's Stowe Bishop, it's Pete Canones, it's Aaron McIntyre. Those are the guys right now that um have really thrown fuel on the fire. You know, they may not be, um, you know, these are not my foundational political thinkers in terms of my ideas, right? We're talking Rothbard, we're talking Mises, Hoppe, Buchanan, uh, Tolkien, all right? Those guys are my are my giants. But man, it, it's Tho and Pete and Aron that really have sort of led the way and helped me understand how I can bring my ideas, my, my political values into connect that to like a local civic to local civic life and sometimes it's dirty sometimes it's nasty but to quote the godfather this is the business we have chosen <laughs> nice man all That's right well, yeah. nice yeah i think that was a good closer all right man yeah if you don't got anything else we'll close her out and uh dude we'll definitely do it again sometime hey, thanks a lot kyle yeah dude for sure all right Thank everybody you. well hopefully uh everybody enjoyed the conversation i know did I know I did. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share. I should always plug at the beginning of every show, but I'm absolutely terrible with it. And, um, you know, once again, thanks, for everybody, for listening, and uh, take care.